Do you sense that God is wanting to take us deeper? Do you sense that God is leading us? Do you sense the Spirit of God, though, is doing something in us and amongst us? Do you feel the drawing? Do you feel the wooing of that? It's very real. It's very real. Oh. It's individually, but it's collectively. God is doing a deep work in our hearts as an individual, but it's collectively. Amen. The heart of the Father just continues to wreck me. We live in a fatherless society right now. But we have a Father who is good, who is perfect, and who is love. And He wants us all to know the fullness of that love. Amen. So I wanted, there was one more, uh, before Steve was sharing next week, there was something else that the Lord had really been placing on my heart this week, and it's to speak about the end of worship and serving. You know me, you've, you've probably heard, or you've probably heard me talking about the end a lot, there is an end, you know, and there's an end in speaking, uh, in uh, worshipping and serving. On the surface, there, there are two things that seem to come from complete opposite angles, when I say the word worship, what kind of images come to mind? What comes to mind when I say the word worship? I think for most people, it's some sort of position of, of rest, being still. You know, maybe it's prostrate on the floor. You know, maybe it's just, you know, just sitting in the presence of God and whatever comes forth from that, whether it's a song, whether it's a prayer, whatever. But, you know, it's not like running around all over the place, is it? When I say the word serving... Often you'd think about, well, I've just got to get busy. Maybe. No. Come on, you've got to wake up today. Come on. Come on. They're seemingly two opposites. They're seemingly coming from two opposite angles, and yet they're being woven together in the end. God takes two things and he weaves them together in the end. Because our, our minds are so often either or. And when you're talking to people, you know, from two different perspectives, they just, they, they can't, no, it's this, no, it's this, no, 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 it's this, no, it's this. And God wants to bring it together and weave it together in the end. It's the both end. Worship and serving have so much in common, and I, and I don't think we realize it. I don't think we do. You know, the Lord, the Lord has been emphasizing of late humility. Has anyone else been hearing humility? There's, a, there's quite a few people, hey. The Lord has been emphasizing humility. It's about the posture of the heart. Humility is about the posture of the heart. And this is the key. This is the key to worshiping and serving. It's about the posture of the heart. Amen? Indeed, a healthy fellowship. Any, any, any healthy household of believers will be a household that worships and a household, household that serves. You know, Joshua 24, verse 15. You know, you see it often in plaques and, you, you know, um, and there was a movie about it, uh, Courageous. You know, Joshua 24, 15 says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yep. And you see it, sometimes people put it above their door frames if they've got their own home and they put a plaque up. You know, as for me and my house, you see pictures about it, you see quotes about it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
I don't know whether we realize that the root word in there, the Hebrew word, is also translated worship. And in fact, some translations, if you actually Google it, some translations will actually use the word worship rather than serving. As for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, worship and serving have so much in common because it's about the posture of the heart. To truly worship God, it's about coming low. It's about the posture of the heart. It's recognizing that He is holy. You know, I want to encourage you that in free worship, as the musicians are just playing, you know, if you don't know what else to sing, just start singing holy and worthy. And just let the Holy Spirit draw you to Jesus. Just let Him draw you into that place where you're actually singing holy. Because that's what's happening right now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Hallelujah. Praise be to our God. Amen. It's about the posture of the heart. We come low. But how can we truly serve, serve other people if our heart posture is not low also? You can't, because all of a sudden it's about you. And we, and we need to understand the Lord is talking about. He's highlighting humility at the moment. Because we don't want to get puffed up. We don't want to go off the rails. We don't want to lose track. We need more of Him. But we have to have the humility to hold that. It's part of the cradle that He's talking about. You know, Philippians 2 Yes, what an awesome chapter. What an awesome chapter in Scripture. Paul is writing to a church that is disconnected and divided. So he's addressing it as a father of the faith. He's addressing the church in Philippi, people that were you know, disconnected and divided. And this is what he says to them. He says, if then there is any encouragement in Christ... If there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship with the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy, then make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united in spirit and purpose. How cool is that? Are you encouraged in Christ? Do you feel encouraged in Christ? Do you, do you know that you love? Do you... Do you feel the love of God? Are you fellowshipping with the Spirit? Wake up every morning. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Fellowship with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. So he's, this is to a people that were disconnected and divided. And he's saying, come on, guys. What are you doing? If, if, if you're encouraged in Christ, if you know the love, if you fellowship with the Spirit, then be one. Be one. And he says this to them. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Consider others as more important than yourselves. That's a deep verse right there. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Even as we gather here today, do we, what do we think when we walk in? Do we think, what am I going to get out of today? Or do we think, what can I give? The culture of the world would say, what can I get? 
But the culture of the kingdom of God says, what can I give? That's humility. Amen? Everyone should look not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude of Christ. So he points them back to Christ. He's not just saying something for the sake of it, so it's like, come on, guys, what are you doing? But he goes, but this is what Christ did. And this is how Christ lived. Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant and taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So he not only was obedient to the Father in that he left his place of glory, but he, so, so he humbled himself before the Father. But as he came to earth, he humbled himself. And, you know, he was a son to Joseph. For 30 years, he humbled himself and was a son to Joseph and a son to Mary. He humbled himself. And, it, and even lower still, he humbled himself and he was subject to the, to the most horrible death that you could... That he, that, that was possible. He humbled himself before, before people who were, who were evil. He made himself nothing. That's deep. And then Paul says, adopt the same attitude of Christ. For this reason... God highly exalted him and gave him the name above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and, 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 and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. And if there's some young people still left in here, those that haven't gone out there, if there's some here today, I, I, I can't encourage you enough. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Become a son in the faith and humble yourself because God is the one that will exalt you at the right time. God is the one that will open doors of ministry at the right time. God is the one that will do it. We live in a culture where we think we have to push our way in. We have to try and manufacture stuff and make it happen. And so many churches and ministries unfortunately do that. Just love God. Love others. Watch what God's going to do with your life when you walk a life of humility. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, verse 8, he's being tested, he's being tempted by the devil. And Jesus makes this statement in, in chapter 4, verse 8. It is written, worship the Lord and serve him only. Satan comes and says, oh, do this and I'll tempt you with this. No, 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 no. No, that's got nothing. Worship the Lord. It is written. It is written. It is stamped down, worship the Lord and serve Him only. Amen? And the implication is, as you serve Him, is, is that you serve others. Because as you serve someone else, you're serving Him. Amen? Worship has to do with the posture of the heart. It's the posture of our heart. That's why we can worship in song. That's why when there is words on a screen, we can worship. We can come low. We can, we can enter into that and we can just focus on Jesus and worship Him. 
I had a vision during the week as I was driving and I'm pulling up outside of Hinker and stuff. And the, you know that song, Worthy is the Lamb? I shared it with the music team on Wednesday night. You know that song, Worthy is the Lamb? The Darlene check from 2001. I said this vision of this, this chorus being sung and the people just rising up and there was not one hand that was down. There was a throng of people. There was a throng of people and they were just standing and rising together and singing. Worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne. Come on, you can sing it. Crown Him now with many crowns. You reign victorious. High and lifted up, Jesus, Son of God, the darling of heaven, crucified, worthy is the Lamb. He is so worthy. God wants your heart. What would happen if we sang that chorus for five minutes? <laughs> Do we, would we switch off? Would we go, man, we're just singing that chorus again? Or would we join with the chorus that's in heaven and we just sing worthy? Worthy is the Lamb, worthy of all honour and glory and power. And as we worship Jesus, the Holy Spirit is just directing us more and more to Jesus. And anything else that's of us, anything else that, that is a distraction just falls away because we are worshipping Jesus. And we are right here in this moment and we are worshipping Jesus. You see, it's about the posture of the heart. It's not about me. It's like, oh, I'm feeling a bit tired right now. It's about the one who gave everything for you, me, and the world. It's a posture of the heart. But So we can worship through song, but you know what? You can also worship while you're doing the dishes. You don't have to partner with the, with the ministry of hell, grumbling and complaining. But you can partner with heaven. And you can worship Jesus while you're doing the dishes. Do we look at the dishes and go, oh man, there's more dishes to be done? <laughs> or, do we, or do we look at the dishes and go, you know what, I'm just going to use this as a chance just to worship Him. Because I've got nothing else to think about at the moment while I'm just doing these dishes. Although there's probably a few out, of you that, there's probably a few out there that cheat and use a dishwasher. <laughs> we still do the dishes most the old-fashioned way because how, how else does a dad talk to his daughter when they're busy and you've come from different places and you have dinner together? How do you do it? You do the dishes together. It's a great opportunity. Anyway, I'm getting diverted there. It's about the posture of the heart. Worship is about the posture of the heart. Worship the Lord. Worship Him. 
What does it look like when we start to really live lives of worship under Him? What, what is Sunday going to look like when we gather together, coming from a life of worship to worship Jesus corporately together? What is that going to look like? That's why we don't need the outer court. We don't need the let's get drumming up and let's get me going. We are in that holy place because the blood of Jesus has already done it for us. We are sanctified. We are healed. We are restored in Him. And we come in through the blood of Jesus and we can enter into the most holy place and the intimate place with Him. And then I start thinking of a song, Shekinah Glory. Here we are standing in Your presence. Here we are. Standing in your presence, Shekinah glory come down. Shekinah glory come down. Where we just fall prostrate before the Lord. <laughs> no one can stand and no one can minister because the Lord is in this place. Let us continue to worship Him. Amen. But he says, worship the Lord and serve Him only. Serving God and by implication is serving other people. Amen? We're serving other people because that's also about the position of the heart. How do I serve someone if my heart is not walking in humility? Because it's like I want to get something out of it. But what happens, you know what, if I give without expectation? What does that look like? If I give without expectation? That's love. I'm not, spect oh, I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm just giving. Amen? It's the posture of the heart. David was a worshipper. Amen? King David, he was a worshipper who became a warrior, who became a king. There's a good pattern there to follow. There's another message in that by itself. He was a worshipper. He was worshipping the Lord. He was out there with the sheep and he was worshipping. Because God was saying, you know what? No, it's not the big tall one. No, it's not the big muscly one. Who else is there? Have you got any other sons, Jesse? Got any other sons? You can think, just, like it's almost when you read it in Scripture, you kind of go, Jesse's going, hmm, have I got any other sons? Oh yeah, I've got another one. He's out the back tending sheep. And God says, you know, I don't look at the outward things, I'm looking at the heart. David was a worshipper. He was out there being noticed by nobody. That is the true heart of a servant. That is the true heart of a worshipper. He was just out there. He didn't need to put it on Facebook. He didn't need to put it on YouTube. He was just doing what he was doing, and he was just doing it. And God looked at his heart, and he said, He's a man after my own heart. So he was a worshipper. And God took that worshipper, and he made him a warrior. He killed the lion and he killed the bear and he slayed Goliath when the whole army of Israel was like. You hearing this? He was a worshipper. And something was happening as he, as he was worshipping God. And he became a warrior. And all of a sudden, he didn't have fear anymore because he knew who his God was. And, he, and that's why he could pen the Psalms and says, Even though war break out against me, I will not be afraid. And we need to know who God is right now. Because you know what? You're going to have to stand as a warrior. And you're going to be a warrior for Jesus Christ. You've got to be a worshiper first. So lay your crowns down before Jesus. Oh, man. Whoo, ho, 
lay your crowns down and worship him. Forget about ministry for a minute. Forget about, you know, titles and positions and functions and whatever else. And just start worshiping him and see what he's going to do. Is there an amen to that? Because he became a warrior. Because he knew God. And he knew that God was on his side. And that's why he could stand up before Goliath when the army of Israel was in fear. And so then God exalted him and he became king. As he played his harp, he worshipped. Even those around him knew that he was a worshipper. You know, when, when Saul was tormented by the evil spirit, he goes, get David. I need David in here. Because whenever David plays and worships the, this evil spirit, this, this just leaves me. People around him knew that he was a worshipper. See what the presence of God can do. But you know, I don't think we realize that David had such a servant heart. He lived in the end. He was the leader. He was the king. But he was a servant. He served the people. He didn't rule over them like the other kings were. He was a servant. I don't think we realize that. He served the people. Man, I get messed up every time I read. Messed up in a good way. I'm trying not to go too long today because I, I, mean, I understand it's warm in here. It's one of those days, isn't it? But something, something in here shows David's heart. You know, unfortunately, and forgive me, I don't like getting involved in politics and political things, but most of our politicians are just self-serving now. They have forgotten that they serve the people. And the Bible says that we need to pray for them. And yeah, I pray for them. And I encourage you to pray for them. We need to pray for our leaders. Absolutely. But, you know, leadership was always about serving. And in fact, you know, like when they take an oath or whatever they do and they lay their hands on the thing, you know, I will serve the people. Well, they don't really. But David lived in the end of a worshipper and a server. And he took that same heart into leadership as a king. How do we know that? Because he made an army out of these people that were discouraged and, de and uh, dejected and despised. And he made a great army out of them. And something happened. There was some sort of relationship between David and the army that, that, that wasn't found anywhere else. Why? How do I know that? Because this passage in 1 Chronicles 11 just wrecks me every time I read it. Here is David. I won't read the whole chapter because then you'll probably go. Here is David going, I'm thirsty. Oh, I wish I could drink from the well in Jerusalem. He was extremely thirsty, it says in uh, verse 17. If you want a verse, chapter 11, verse 17. David was extremely thirsty. If only someone would bring me water to drink from the well at the city gate of Bethlehem. He was just expressing it. <laughs> he never gave a command. He never gave an order. You. He could have. David could have said, Hey, Nick, Krista and Rosalie, can you go get me some water? And guess what? In that modern, like, like in that age, they would have gone and they would have got the water. He didn't have to order them. He didn't have to. He was not a ruler. He didn't rule over the people. He was not a tyrant. He was a worshiper and he was a server. And so when he said, oh, I wish I could drink from the water of the world again, these three men went, let's go and do it. Let's go and get the water for David. 
and they went and got the water. They went and got the water and they brought it back to David and David was undone. Who am I that you would do that for me? And he was the king. But it showed the posture of his heart. That's what it showed. He wasn't expecting anyone to do that for him. His posture of his heart was, was worship. The posture of his heart was humility. But it shows me the kind of relationship that, God, that, that David had with the army. And my heart is, and you know what? I'm not the best leader sometimes, but my heart is that we would have that kind of relationship. Because I would do anything for you. If your family is in trouble, I will come to you. If you need someone to stand with you through the darkest period of the, the day, I will stand with you. And the Lord said of David, He's a man after my own heart. I don't think there is any better statement that God could say of you. That's what I want to be known for. I reckon that's why Paul said, you know what, I can't remember how many people I've baptised because it really is not that important to me. I just want to be known as a man after his heart as well. Jesus, the ultimate example, worshipped the Father and he came to serve. I've got a couple of scripture verses here. Can you bear with me for five minutes? Is that right? What was that, 10? Did I hear 10? 15. 15. <laughs> Get, that. Get that cold water going. Are you hearing the heart of God? I really hope you're not hearing me today. Man, I've just been praying into this all week. This heart position and examples in Scripture of the connection between worship and serving. Because I've met so many people, you know, I've even had people say to me stuff like, oh, I'm a prophet, I don't serve anymore. And I go, man, we have missed it. When I say we, the church, has missed it. There is a definite connection, not only in the Greek and not only in the Hebrew words, but in the act of it. And that's why... John says, you know, you can't say I love God but not your brother. You can't stand there, you know, worshiping one moment and then when your brother or sister needs a hand, you go, oh, blow, blow you. They, they go together. And it's by that kind of love that people would know that we are disciples of Jesus. Jesus said this. This is always challenging. Jesus always speaks challenging words, Amen. A dispute, you've heard me say this before and you've probably read it before, so forgive me, but please, that just needs to be said. Then a dispute also arose among them who should be considered the greatest. They're all huddling around going, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the leader? Who's going to, who's going to, who's going to? And they said that Jesus said, he saw it and he said, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those... Um, who have authority over them, uh, call themselves benefactors. It is not to be like that amongst you. 
He said, that's not kingdom leadership. That is not the heart of the Father. That is not the way it is. On the contrary, whoever is the greatest should become like the youngest, and whoever leads is like the one who serves. And he goes on to say, I am among you as one who serves. Jesus was humble in heart. He was powerful. He was humble. In John, I'll miss that one, I'll skip that one over. John 13, the foot washing. Are you struggling with somebody? You're struggling with stuff? Here's Jesus, hey, just before the Passover. He knew the timing. When it was time for supper, the devil had already poured into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God. He knew who he was. That's why when the enemy tried to tempt him, it didn't mean anything. That's, that's why when people stoned him, you know what? Man, that would have been hard. But it didn't have the effect on him. Because he knew that he was loved. He knew that he was a son, the son of God. He knew these things. He got up from supper and he laid aside his outer clothing and he took a towel and he tied it around himself. And next he began to pour a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Top right-hand corner picture. He even washed the feet of the one he knew he was going to betray him. That is powerful. That is powerful. To humble yourself before the one that you knew was going to betray you by washing his feet. That is powerful stuff. We've got to learn to wash each other's feet. Passage, Lord. Jesus said this in Matthew 25 when he talks about the sheep and the goats. And he says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When we serve other people, we are serving God. When we wash the feet of other people, we are serving God. It's about our heart position. There's other passages I had down, but I won't go there today. Isaiah 58, 1 John 3, Matthew 23, that show us that it's about the heart position. It's the heart position. That worship, worshipping and serving were never meant to be two separate things that never met. But God takes them and he weaves them together into the end. They are intertwined. They kiss. They meet. So my prayer is that God would continue to take us deeper. Is there an amen?
that we would worship. We will worship. You know, music team, do you want to come up? You want to come up? You know, years and years ago when the Lord said to me, he said, son, I want you to sit at my feet. I was a real doer. And guess what? I struggled to sit at his feet. There are some of you in here today that maybe are not doers. Maybe you find it easier to rest and to sit. But there are some of you here today that are doers that like to do, do, do. Is, is there anyone else who's willing to put their hand up? So when the Lord said to me, son, I want, to, I want you to sit at my feet, it was a discipline. But it was obedience. It was an answer to the call of the Father saying, son, will you sit at my feet? I'm not interested in what you can do for me. I'm just interested in you. I'm just interested in you and me. Will you come and sit at my feet? You know, that first day when Bonnie was out and the kids were out, when I say kids, we only had Nick and Josh at that point in time because it's 20 years ago now. I reckon I got five or ten minutes worth. I reckon I struggled to get beyond ten because my mind was just starting to go in other places and I was thinking, oh, what am I doing? All the things I've got to do later. And every day he just kept saying, son, sit at my feet. And you know what happened? He began to draw me. And 10 minutes could easily become 20, could easily become 30, could easily become an hour, could easily become more. I don't think we realize sometimes how distracted we are. It's the church in the, in the nations, and I can say this, I can say this with confidence. The church in the nations is at a place where we have to come back to the heart of worship. Where it's all about Jesus. It's the Matt Redmond song. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. So I want to encourage you today. To allow the Spirit of God to bring a, a low posture in your heart and in your life. Because it's from that place that we can be the cradle for His glory. Because the striving ceases. The competition ceases. Anything the enemy tries to cause divisively, divisive ceases. Because it's Jesus. Amen. Jesus. And if you struggle, if you like me, and you struggled with sitting still, persevere. Because God is faithful. He is so faithful. Five minutes will become 50 minutes in no time as you sit before Him. I hope you got something out of today.
the word. Let's continue to go on. Let's worship through song.